Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this is episode number 23, the Michael Jordan of Like a Bigfoot podcast. And I've been spending the week kind of reflecting about the previous 22 episodes, and I've come to a realization, and that is out of like all the amazing things that have come to this from this podcast such as having some sort of creative outlet while I'm staying at home doing the whole daddy daycare stay at home dad thing that's definitely been a positive along with you know getting all the positive feedback that I've gotten from people who have been helped by these conversations, people who have been inspired from listening to these amazing guests I've had on week after week. But really, if I had to pinpoint the one thing that's been really, really, really cool, (laughs) in lack of a better word, from doing this podcast, it's the fact that I've gotten to tune in and listen to amazing stories of adventure, achievement, and really just stories of people's journeys to accomplish whatever they're out there seeking to accomplish. Which then got me reflecting on all of my guests I've had on. And if there's one term that I would use to describe every single guest, it would be people who are rebelling against the status quo. Because the status quo is complacency. It's comfort. It's not doing anything and maybe not even chasing goals or dreams. Because we all have dreams. We all have goals. We all have great ideas, but the problem is for most of us, me included, for the longest time, I I wanted to do a podcast and I just couldn't pull the trigger. For a lot of us, fear gets in the way and it paralyzes us and it makes us not strive to become the best people that we possibly can be which is a bummer. It bums me out. It's the phrase, same shit, different day, used by people who are really just in their, stuck in their comfort zone, maybe in zombie mode, who aren't chasing after what this life could be. Because this life is going to be whatever you make of it, And you can make some really awesome stuff happen. You can go out and experience all the positivity that the world can offer up. You can choose to do that. But it's easier to choose to stay on your comfort zone. Stay in couch mode. Stay in Netflix marathon mode. We've all been there including me, many times. And I'm going to tell you this. I've 
always, 100%, I always feel better chasing a goal, doing something hard, stepping outside my comfort zone than I do after a Netflix marathon. (laughs) Even though, you know, stepping outside and actually having experiences takes some work, takes a lot more work than it does to not even click the button that says next episode, but like you can literally just let it keep playing. It takes way more work to go out and have an adventure or go out and work your butt off to achieve a goal, but the things in life that are worth doing take more work. There aren't any shortcuts. Hard work is the way to go. And I kind of feel like I'm ranting here. So I'm going to pull it back. (laughs) Pull it back, Chris. And I'm going to introduce you to today's guest. Now, as I think about the status quo rebels, or as episode number nine of the Like a Bigfoot podcast, Ryan Esdor, he used to have a shirt that said status quo crusher. And I feel like all of my guests fall under that category. But as I think about people challenging the status quo, I definitely think of these two amazing runners living in Danville, Virginia, Wes and Britt Turner. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little different. I'm interviewing two people at the same time. A married couple, very wonderful people, both of them with separate status quo crushing goals. Wes is an elite level marathon runner who is this close, and I'm making one of those like, you know, like an inch kind of deal. He's this close to qualifying for the Olympic trials. I think he's five minutes from hitting that qualifying time of two hours and 18 minutes. Dude is fast. I remember I would just be driving around Danville, Virginia, where me and my wife used to live while my wife was doing residency, who she is also in residency with Wes, or should I say Dr. Wes Turner. But I remember driving around that small town and you would see this guy booking it, sprinting almost. In my definition, he's sprinting and he's going as fast as he possibly can to make sure he's training properly so he has an opportunity to qualify for the Olympic trials. That's status quo crushing because for most of us runners, the status quo is maybe run some races throughout the year, jog periodically to stay in shape. The status quo is definitely not trying to qualify for the Olympics. So he's challenging that status quo for himself. And you'll hear in the podcast, he doesn't miss a single workout. The dude is dedicated. Meanwhile, in my mind, his wife Britt is every bit as inspiring as Wes. First of all, Britt 
blogs at www.runningwife.com, a very, very popular blog where she shares all of her running experiences, the ups, the downs. She doesn't try to make it seem like all rainbows and butterflies. She'll share with you the hard moments, and it's very relatable. You should check it out, runningwife.com. But she's challenging the status quo by being a dedicated runner while being a mom. And during her pregnancy, she ran a thousand miles. Now, of course, she did this with doctor's permission, doctor husband permission. (laughs) She did it with a plan. She did it in a healthy way. And in this episode, she describes how she did it. But that's status quo crushing in my mind. And now she's running and blogging about running postpartum and how that's helping her out physically, emotionally, and mentally as she raises her little boy, Easton. Cool cool dude. So I want to get into the podcast. If you like running, you're going to like this episode. If you like people who are awesome and set goals and don't want to be in zombie mode, you're going to like this episode. If you're a lady and you like being pregnant, you're going to like this episode. So here we go. Episode number 23 of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Check out the old ones. They're really good too. Episodes number 1 through 22. You'll be inspired, I promise. Episode 23, Wes and Britt. Turner. Okay, so like I said, I don't really have uh, much of a plan for this one, which is weird for me. And also, (laughs) this is the first podcast I'm doing with two people. Oh. Yes. So you guys are the first for that. So uh, I figured you guys are runners. I'm a runner. We can talk about running. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Easy enough. Okay. Um, when did you guys get into this? Did you do cross country? Like, uh, is it just something you did to stay in shape? I didn't. I uh, did like recreational five Ks when I was in high school. But I I played soccer until college. I played. I walked on to NC State um, soccer team my freshman year, but I never played. <laughs> so after that, I. Uh, kind of got a little more serious about running just ran for fun still and then my junior year of college i just ran a marathon for fun because my dad just said why don't you try it so i I did yeah and i ran green core marathon and um whenever that october Mm -hmm. just for completion yeah i heard that one's one of the coolest marathons in the nation can you describe it a little bit so yeah, it's um it's the People's Marathon is what they call it. So it's in D.C. It's very well organized. Marine Corps puts it on, um, and it's it's fairly flat. It has a couple hills, but um, it's huge. There's a ton of people. I think it's one of like the biggest in the in the United States. Um, so I did that one, my first one, and ran like a 340 something just for completion. And then I got hooked. I mean, it was like an adrenaline rush, and I was hooked. So I ran another one like a month later just because I wanted the feeling back. (laughs) 
problem. And I improved by like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. So that's kind of how it all started. And then I just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, did, Wes, did you know you were good at it, that you had some talent going or after your first marathon? I didn't really think I had any talent. I didn't really know what like the whole expect, but then I eventually tried to qualify for Boston. I needed to run a 310 at the time, and uh, I was training to run a 310, and I ran, I think it was Marine Corps, and um, I ran a 259. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, maybe I'm okay at this. So I actually started like following a plan and all that stuff after that, and then I slowly whittled it down um, over time. Yeah, so what, what's your ultimate goal with this? Um, I would like to qualify for the Olympic trials um, for the 2020. That would be nice. So that's my ultimate goal. So I'm about six minutes off. So what, What's the qualifying time? Right now it's 2.19. They haven't come out with the 2020 trial times yet, so sometimes they change it, but it was like 2.19, so I assume they will uh, keep it like that or make it easier, you know, easier. Um, (laughs) Easier. Yeah, but uh, yeah, 2.19 would be is what it is set right now. So I guess I don't really know the process for the Olympic trials, but... If you get 219 or below any time before 2020, are you qualified? Yes. So, so if, okay. If, yeah. So if you get, and it has to be a um, a course that is. It, I forget all the stipulations. You can't run like a net downhill course. So like Utah has all these huge marathons that are like downhill, <laughs> like 3,000 feet drop. Um, they don't. They don't count. Um, like St. George's Marathon, it drops like, I don't know, three or 4,000 feet. <laughs> but yeah, if you qualify any time between the four years, then it's uh, then it qualifies you. Okay, okay. I wanted to, I just heard your little man in the background, and that's kind of one of the main things I wanted to talk to you guys about, because you recently had a baby, and you guys coming into having a baby were you know, very structured athletes. How, how has that changed your day-to-day routine? Well, it's probably changed mine more than his. Um, well, in some ways, in some ways not, but um, he's used to running on little to no sleep from residency and medical school, and, you know, he's used to that kind of thing. So I think in that way, it doesn't really change too much for him. But um, for me, like, I, when I was working before, when I was pregnant, I got up at like 4, 4.30 with him every morning and ran, um, got it done before work and stuff like that. And now, you know, I can't, obviously can't do that anymore because I'm not going to get up when I'm, he's already wet. I'm waking up three or four times a night with him. So um, I, <laughs> I kind of have around his schedule, you know, I have, depending on what, how his mood is that day, you know, if, if he's napping, you know, if he'll, if he'll sit next to the treadmill and his rock and play for me. It just kind of depends. So mine's all over the place right now. Um, but for Wes, I mean, he can speak to it. I don't, um, I think the sleep deprivation, anything like that doesn't really change as much for him. But I think it is a little different. But he still gets up early and does his, and he does his long runs on Saturdays. I guess I'm just not there with him as support as much is the big thing. Okay. Yeah. And that, Go ahead. That was what you guys did before having Easton, right? 
Yes. Okay, so before Easton, you guys would kind of do training together, is that right? Or did you do separate? Uh, well, certain days were separate, so a lot of times we'd get up together in the morning early, and I'd kind of like start the first mile or so with her, <laughs> okay. kind of like to the top of our road together, so because kind of wake up, wake up, and we're going slow and just trying to wake up together. Um, and then sometimes I, you know, I finish what I'm having to do by the time she would, so we kind of run back to the house together. Okay. So a lot of times it was just starting and ending sometimes together. Yeah. Did that make starting easier? Because, uh, I mean, I know if you have an accountability partner, it makes – the hardest part really is starting. And if you have someone with you, it makes the start a little bit more bearable. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, when we start, I mean, a lot of people think that you need to go, like, a certain pace or whatever. I mean, I tell people, you know, I'm a 225 marathoner, but – I start at nine, ten minute pace sometimes. I mean, I am crawling. And if you read some of the Kenyans, you know, some of their training stuff, they will literally tell you they look like old men when they warm up because they're going so slow. Yeah, I heard some article where uh, the article was about this guy who joined the Kenyans to train for running. And he, in his mind, he thought he was going to go out there and every single day they would just go on like a dead sprint for yeah. however many miles. And when he actually started training with them, he realized, I think it was something like four of the days they went really, really slow. And then the yeah. day they went balls out, they like were throwing up and, you know, pushing yeah. themselves to the limit. Yeah, hard days are hard, easy days are easy. And I mean, I'm like, what are you trying to prove by taking your warm up at a like seven minute pace? I mean, there's. It's a warm-up. That's why it's called a warm-up. But, I mean, <laughs> go hard. I mean, I I go hard. Dude. But, I mean, on my easy days, I mean, I started at a nine-minute pace. My first mile is like a 9.15. I mean, every morning at the, to the top of the hill. So, I mean, and it helps to be with her. It may, it, it makes me go slower. Yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's close to my pace. So. <laughs> now, Britt, is that an insult or a compliment? <laughs> I mean. No, it's okay. I understand. It makes me more controlled, put it that way, because it makes me relax more when I'm with somebody else, and I never get to train with anyone, so it's yeah. nice. I'm a close guy. <laughs> well, it's like if you are used to going at a crazy pace during a race, it is really hard to just slow yourself down, even if it is a warm-up, and you're mentally telling yourself, uh, go slow here, it's a warm-up. And, and especially now with a kid, at least I know for me – I want to do it as fast as I possibly can because I want to get back to the kid and, you know, to the family. Yeah. But sometimes that's not good for your body. <laughs> yeah, no, so. it's very true. I mean, sometimes, especially in the morning when you're like, well, I need to do drills when I get back and I got to stretch and do some strength stuff. But then I got to shower and get to work. So it's like, though you realize you have time, it's like in the back of your mind you're kind of like well if i just speed up maybe a little bit you know i'll have a little extra time not feel so rushed so you're just kind of having to fight that battle the entire time and trying to relax so yeah what uh what do you tell yourself to get out of bed at three or four in the morning when you know you have to go to work for 12 hours uh i don't really i just i just get up i mean i i've been doing it so long like i i don't miss a run he like, does not miss it i don't miss it I'll he ran it. at 1 a.m on the day my water broke 
so that he could get his running form into the that hospital. Pro- that probably will get a lot of uh, a lot of backlash, but you know, I tell that to people and it's probably embarrassing. But, but I've been with them long enough; I get it. So it doesn't. It didn't even phase me, but to other people, they're like, "Really?" Well, okay. The way I, I'm gonna back you up a little bit, Wes, because. You are a doctor at this point, so you obviously know, like, the water breaking is kind of just the start of a very long process. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, especially being a first pregnancy, she's not having any contractions. I mean, you, you do want to get to the hospital, but it's not like, jump in the car and let's go. So, you know, it was like kind of like, well... You know, it wasn't just me going out and leaving her here. No, so I, she I, came out and I basically ran around her, near her. Yeah. I walked around to try to get she my contractions. Tried to walk on. around to get her contractions going. It was lit. It wasn't some like, <laughs> dark, you know, abyss. So there you go. That's but, actually I mean, kind of romantic. <laughs> well, it, honestly, it's it was memorable. One the, it was one of the best memories I have, just because like you're out there running. You know, I'm she's in view, and it's just kind of like it's kind of the last time. It's just us. So, I mean, in a way, it was kind of uh, very, very memorable. (laughs) I mean, one of the best memories I have now, um, just because, you know, it's kind of like a calm before the storm. (laughs) I hear you, man. I remember going on a hike with Lindsay, actually, in Danville on the riverfront. Um, You have that riverwalk trail, and there was a a bench you could, you know, just sit down and look at the river. And I remember watching the sunset the night before we knew she was going to be induced. And yeah, man, memorable for sure. Yeah. Um, do you, so besides running at one in the morning, do you you say you don't struggle at all? So you never hit snooze or or um. So I have four or five alarms set, and they're usually separated by about two or three minutes. So sometimes if I'm really tired and not feeling it, I'll I'll set one and I'll go back to sleep for a couple two minutes or so, but. I always get up by the second or third one, so I never don't get up. Okay. I mean, I'll drag my lifeless body out the door, because I know once I get going, I'm usually okay. You won't have any other time. But I don't have any other time. It's either that or I, you know, I try to suffer at the end of the day, which is even harder for me. Yeah. Does it help you get into the mindset of now I'm going to work, now it's time to focus? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after my run, I'm definitely more focused to go to work. Um, And, you know, when you have to go to work, you realize you don't have any other option. So, um, unfortunately, if I I I had my choice every day, I'd I'd love to run at like nine, eight or nine. That's like the perfect time. But, you know. I hear you, man. (laughs) I got the same thing going on like four in the morning. The alarm goes off, and I have to make... See, I'm not as mentally strong as you, I guess, Wes, because there are some days, like this morning, where I'm like, nope, not happening. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I can't think of a time when I've just said no. Mm-hmm. I think the only time I've missed during residency um, is when I was on nights. I was on... Oh. We'd have to work the, the morning after we worked our last... Uh, night shift on Friday morning and uh, we had to go to clinic until 12 and I tried to run in the afternoon after that so I'd been up essentially for 
you know, roughly 36 hours because I had gotten up. So, and I tried doing that for one time, and I I remember going out for that run, and I felt dizzy, like I was <laughs> wobbling. I said, no, I didn't run on that Friday, on those Fridays. So, um, but that's the only time I really missed days before, besides the injuries. Yeah, you sound like you're you could be very well prepared for an ultra marathon yeah. at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could do one eventually. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I could probably do it. I think the longest I've ever run at once is I've technically done 28 okay. before. Um, but that wasn't like a – that was on a treadmill. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. So, Britt, when did you when did you do your first marathon or really start running? I ran um, – let me try to think back. I started running like off and on, kind of just like, oh, run a couple miles here, more just to do something in college because I saw him doing it. Um, but it really wasn't anything where I did it like every day or anything. And then I signed up when we moved to Erie, Pennsylvania, for to go to medical school. I signed up for my first marathon. Okay, yeah. And then it was 2010. I ran Chicago. Okay. Um, and I just trained to complete it. And I think I did like, Oh, like four four forty something. It was it was nothing too impressive. And then I did another one, I guess, two years later, because I got injured in between, and I ran another like four thirty eight. Okay. Um, so I was improving. And then I don't remember where it was when we were in Erie, but um, I just kind of got this idea, like I really want to qualify for Boston, and I was so far from it, obviously. And um, there was a couple injuries thrown in there. Um, it wasn't like the smoothest process, but when we moved to Danville, I kind of got a plan. I did some speed training for a while, um, and I used a marathon plan, and then I ended up qualifying for Boston in Kiowa um, in pretty much one training cycle. So I cut about an hour and nine minutes off wow. for my last um, And that was a big turning point for me, kind what? of. What changes did you make to cut? Like, that's a significant amount of time. Yeah. Um, well, I think the big, I just, I think a lot of it for me, and it still is to this day, is just mental. Guy, I'm a, I beat myself up mentally a lot, and I get in my own head, and it really defeats me. Um, for some reason, I guess it just all came together that training cycle. Um, it was the first time I'd really ever done any speed work, so to say. Um, and I had actual paces. I didn't miss a workout. Not saying I hit them all, but I didn't miss one. Um, and I just kind of, I guess mentally I was just all there and it just kind of clicked for me. Um, now since then, it's been much harder for me to cut time off. So that must've been my big, big one. And now I'm kind of like chipping away at it as I can. Um, but I guess it was just, I mentally, I was just all there for that one. And I, I must've done things right. I don't, I don't know if there was a magic solution, but, um, it just worked for me. The training plan worked for me, and I really just – I didn't miss anything. I did what I was supposed to, and it luckily got a perfect day, and um, it just panned out. <laughs> nice. What uh, – who's coming up with your training plan? For that one, I used um, Hanson's training, marathon training okay. plan. Okay, yep. Um, I altered it a bit to fit around my schedule, um, but I used it. I used the paces they had, like, to a T. Um and it worked for me. Since then, I've, I've, I had a, a coach for a little bit. Um, I did my own things. At this point, like between what I've done in the past and West, 
usually we can come up with something for me. Like right now, I'm trying to train for Boston. I just started um, in April. So we just kind of put one together based on, you know, where I'm coming from postpartum and stuff like that. And it's a little different, but it just, now it's just kind of put together what I can and I kind of learned what works and what doesn't and those key workouts you need and so forth, mostly from Wes because I yeah. watch him and he'll tell me what to do. Yeah, that helps. Um, Pretty much. So can you explain your running schedule while you were pregnant? Because I know you actually got quite a few miles in, which was very impressive to me. Yeah, um, actually, I don't. I tra- actually tracked everything. I don't have it in front of me, but um, my goal was to run throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, that was even when we started, you know, deciding. Okay, we're going to start trying to have a baby. Um, I knew that whenever I got pregnant, I would try to keep running. And well, it took us a little while, and then when we finally got pregnant, and we got that p- pregnancy test that day, I was supposed to run actually 22 miles. So I was training for Boston last year. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so obviously I didn't run it and I kind of like panicked, I guess. I don't know. So for the first like four weeks after we found out I was pregnant, I didn't run anything. I just was so like scared something was going to go wrong. And I just, you know, those, all those thoughts that rest through you when you of finally course. find out. Um, and then finally, once we had our first ultrasound and every blood panels were back and everything checked out, then I kind of felt comfortable starting up again. Um, I started really slow. I did like run walk for a couple weeks. Um, just did time like you know I'd run for 30 minutes and whatever I'd fit in and then I started picking it back up because I had been training for a marathon before that so I was already in a a decent shape to where I didn't have to start too too slow (laughs) and I think I'm trying to think I started I was running probably like maybe 30 miles I think I hit 40 was the highest week I had um and everything was slow I did a couple like little like mild intervals just to break up the monotony sometimes um, but I just tried to stay consistent with it. It really wasn't about a pace. Um, I obviously, I did not run Boston last year after I'd qualified. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I was only like seven weeks pregnant. I wasn't comfortable with it at the time. So Does it roll I, over it, into this year? It doesn't, but thankfully um, I had qualified in October um, of last year. Yeah. In Chicago, I'd qualified again. So I will. So that got me in for 2007. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I just tried to keep a base, basically. I just wanted to try to keep my endurance up, keep myself, you know, sane to the most part. Um, and it got harder um, as I got bigger, obviously, and especially in the last little bit. Um, I did stop running at 36 weeks. Okay. Uh, I was having some sciatic pain, um, or I had some pain in my low back. We're not 100% sure what it was, but um, it was enough to make me stop. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and so for the last several weeks I didn't do any running but um, I was able to keep it up for 36 so I was happy with that and it did I can definitely tell as I start running postpartum it has um, it has definitely helped in helping me come back it hasn't been easy but it definitely it definitely helped me at this point to be able to pick up and start training again yeah when as you you know entered like the third trimester does your form change or I mean do you have to be really conscious about how you're running um yes um I probably was not good at it and in fact Wes will tell you I was not good at it <laughs> um, my form definitely changed it was much harder to pick up my legs um just there was I have so much more weight on me from what I'm used to um and you, for, for me I was just a lot more tired getting I still got up at 4 4 30 to do it 
Um, but I just, I just was more tired. I just didn't feel the same. So it definitely alters your form, at least for me it did. Um, and so that can increase your chance of injury. Um, so I definitely cut back during, once I got my third trimester, my miles cut down a lot. I found the treadmill to be a little easier on me than going outside. Just, I don't know why, but it was also, I was able to control myself a little more. I had water there and so forth. So, yeah. um, but it definitely alters your form, it alters your gait and everything. Okay. Um, do you know how many miles you ran? Did you keep track? Total. My goal was to run a thousand and I did, I think I ran a thousand twelve. When I had to, so I just beat it. <laughs> That's amazing. So, what what are some common misconceptions that people could have about running while pregnant? Um, I mean, I definitely I got some comments from you know family and friends, people that you know don't run or whatnot. I think a lot of times. Assuming there's no complications, I'll start by saying that because every pregnancy is different. Some people yeah. can't, and they're you know they're they're told they can. That's fine, but for me, I had I was blessed with a very uncomplicated pregnancy. I didn't even I didn't have morning sickness. Um, the biggest thing I had was just exhaustion. I was just tired all the time. Um, so that was a big plus for me. But I think a lot of, and I think it's becoming less common now. But especially in the past, a lot of people have thought once you get pregnant, you can't do anything. You just need to sit back and. Mm-hmm eat and relax and stuff like that um but for me i think it i mean it it really helped me mentally because everything's changing and you don't really know what's going on with yourself and um you know you do have to take more things into consideration i did keep my heart rate down i tried not to you know take it too high though i think there's studies out now that show it really doesn't matter too much with your heart rate so you get different different opinions. Um, um, I did. I always tried to have a lot of water with me. Um, things like that that I didn't pay much attention to before. I definitely did. Um, I don't know. I think it, it. Some people still think gives it a bad name when you're running and you're pregnant. And you have to be careful. Obviously, you don't want to fall. You don't want to trip. But I think if you take the right precautions and you know you're cleared. I was cleared by my doctor to run. They had no problems with it. And your husband, um, doctor. <laughs> Yeah, and him too. He was monitoring. Trust me. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't let me do anything I shouldn't have done. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think a big misconception is you have a lot of people that aren't 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 athletes or runners or exercise people before pregnancy, and then so they're told they probably shouldn't like yeah exercise a ton because they're not their body's not used to it and you're putting extra stress. But if you've always been uh, a runner or bicyclist or whatever it is and then you want to do some of that during pregnancy I mean most OBs will tell you it's completely fine I mean you have to kind of set some limits and boundaries but you just have to be cautious but I mean you know you shouldn't be going out there and running a marathon every day um, <laughs> but I mean you can still run and I mean I forget that Alicia Montano I think is what her name is yeah and I think uh, I forget how she was like 36, 37 weeks, and she, she ran, ran that. Yeah. She ran that race. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, like a I forget a four hundred meter sprint or yeah. something like that. I can't remember what it was. Was she you the know? one? They had a series on ESPN about her. Is that who you were talking about? Was, um, that was Sarah Brown. Okay. Was Sarah, yeah, Alicia Montano. She was eight hundred meter runner, I think, and 
uh, she's been in the Olympics and stuff, but I, I just, if you look her up, there's like pictures of her and she's just, she raced it like 30, she raced weeks. it like 36, 37 <laughs> weeks, but she still ran like a 228, wow. uh, 800 for being 37 <laughs> weeks is still good. That's insane. So, yeah. So, I mean, every pregnancy is different, but, um, you, you always get criticisms from people out there, but you know, you know your body. You know your body, and you know if you, as long as you're setting limits and boundaries and not getting carried away, it's usually okay. Yeah. So, Britt, um, this is a silly question, mm-hmm. but I gotta imagine. Like, I know after I do a long run or a longer run, I'm starving mm-hmm. and my cravings are going insane, and I just want to eat everything <laughs> I see. Mm-hmm. Add that to being pregnant and having the pregnancy cravings. Was it insane? <laughs> well, I, oddly enough, I don't remember. I don't think I had any huge cravings for like something specific, but I did eat a lot more. Yeah. Um, like I would, I would come home from running and I'd eat something because I never. Um, we usually don't eat before we run during the week because we're getting up so early on time to eat and then let it digest and then go out. Besides maybe sipping on, like, some apple juice or something with some quick calories. But um, as soon as i get home, I'd eat. I'd eat breakfast when I got to work. I just took it with me. I'd eat a snack two hours later. I ate every two hours, basically. <laughs> um, and I tried to keep it as healthy as I could. Of course, that doesn't always happen. Um, but, I, I mean, basically, I had to eat every two hours because I would get so hungry, and I just would start feeling sick. And so um, that was kind of the thing that kind of kept me, kept my energy up and at least kept me my cravings under control at least i don't remember having anything crazy but um i definitely ate a lot more and a lot more consistently than i do when i'm not pregnant so what about just normal nutrition for you guys do you follow a nutrition plan or do you just kind of make it up as you go uh i mean she probably eats healthier than i do really Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah, I mean, I will say nutrition has always been at least, well, at least my like weak point. So if I'm eating popcorn, uh, I'm usually very good during the week. Um, I'm I'm very I usually am very healthy except for some ice cream I usually have every night, which isn't that bad I guess. But um, I kind of let myself go on the weekends. <laughs> um, like, and I mean, if we're if we're being honest, like. You know, I think a lot of athletes out there just aren't very honest. They're like, oh, yeah, I just let myself go. And, you know, I eat, like, a bag of Skittles. Like, no, like, I mean. He likes he likes candy. Let's just, <laughs> hey, I, I would show you my refrigerator if I if this wasn't on video. <laughs> um, yeah. So, a lot of chocolate. A lot of chocolate and, and sweets. And I know that's not good, but, um. You know, I, I I try to be very healthy during the week, and I feel I figure two days or whatever on the weekends to kind of you know enjoy and relax for your mental I, sanity. That's what I always think too. I'm exactly the same way. During the week, I'm really structured. I pretty much eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch, and then dinner mm-hmm. something healthy. But then Friday night comes along, and I'm like, I need pizza like instantly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't sugarcoat it. I mean, half the time on a Friday or Saturday night, we'll uh, have dinner, go out to dinner or whatever, and then we'll make some fries and <laughs> we go to get frozen yogurt and <laughs> I'll eat a bunch of chocolate and yeah. 
gummy stuff and sometimes well more so when we didn't have easton we would we would go out late at night and get like a slice of pizza or <laughs> or a cheeseburger or a whole pizza and yeah so sometimes some nights we'd go to bed feeling like in a fetal position <laughs> i mean you know but he had the mouth to to keep up with it though That's but i've got since med school med school i was i was really bad yeah um, nutrition but i've gotten a lot better is it because there's not a whole bunch of places in danville to eat yeah uh, yeah that definitely <laughs> contributes yeah because when i was in pennsylvania we had wegmans and they had like a, a, bowl, bowl, candy. a bowl candy section and that was awful for me awful awful i think when i compare it to especially when he's in medical school a lot of people will drink when they get stressed or whatever he doesn't drink so he eats candy like that's his that's how he relaxes. That's how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. So, so Lindsay always tells me that climbing a mountain is like childbirth. So the whole time you're climbing it, you're like, "Why am I doing this?" As <laughs> as you're suffering, you know, and trying yeah. to make your way up the mountain. But as soon as you're done. Like, when you get back down from the mountain and you're celebrating, you know, you're instantly like, I want to climb another one. So, Britt, since you've been pregnant and had childbirth, uh-huh. is it is that similar to a marathon? Uh, yeah, I actually, I had a couple people that told me that, um, that running marathons would help me in childbirth. And I was like, okay, they don't seem to be exactly the same, but it really kind of is, you know, like, when you're in a marathon, the first 20 miles really don't matter. It's the last six or so that really it gets really hard, and you kind of have to really go into that kind of dark place and get yourself through it. And that childbirth was a lot like that for me. You know, at first it was okay. This is I got this. I got this. I got this. And then you hit that point where you're like, I don't. I can't do this. I can't do this. And the panic sets in, and you think, and you just kind of have to go to that place in your mind where that that's all you're focusing on. Um, in fact, I think Wes told me like four or five times, you're almost there, you're almost there. And that's, you know, what people tell you when you're running a marathon too. And I wasn't almost there. I had like another 45 minutes of pushing before that was going to be almost there. But, <laughs> but I, I think they are in a lot of ways very similar. And then when you're done, you're like, wow, I did it. And maybe I will do this again. Yeah. Um, I think childbirth will wait a little bit longer than a marathon will. But, um, Probably. <laughs> But yeah, it's definitely very similar, and I think running marathons definitely helped me to be able to know that I could mentally, I could mentally do it. I just had to kind of go to that place that you go to marathons that you just have to focus and get through it. So. What do you guys, what do you guys do to get yourself through those hard moments during a marathon or childbirth? <laughs> uh. I don't know. I play mind games myself. I always learned it from my dad. Like he always said when he used to run, that um, you know, it's it's make it to the next light light pole. Make it to that next light pole. Make it to all right. Just make it to the end. Make it to this turn. <laughs> you know, and, you know that's that's how I've always done it. Um, it's just you know, it's never a mile at a time. It's next 50 yards next 50 yards and you just keep you know taking little chunks of it once the hard gets you know when it gets really hard but 
that's how I've done it. And, you know, I think you just look back on your training and you realize, you know, even though it's hard at the end of a marathon, you've had some really hard workouts. So, I mean, you kind of go back to those and you realize like, I mean, when you, when you have a high pain tolerance, so like, you know, you know, childbirth, I mean, you know, kidney stones, like your, your pain level, you know, your threshold, you just have something to compare it to. And you realize, oh, I can push through this on some level. Yeah. You so, know, I'm, I'm going to survive this moment. Yeah. Okay. So, what about you, Britt? How do you get through that? Um, pretty similarly. Um, I'm not as, as mentally strong as Wes, nor do I have as high of a pain tolerance as Wes does. But, um, I, you just kind of have to focus on something, whether, like he said, getting to that next point. When I was in childbirth, it was just counting, you know, my nurse sat there and counted 10 for 10 seconds for each one. It was just getting through that next contraction, getting to that next contraction. You really can't, I mean, you can think about the end, but you kind of just have to do it a step at a time. And, um, you know, some races are better than others. Some races I've mentally been there and some races I have not. And my time reflected that. So um, I think it's just, you know, you can't focus on the whole thing. You have to focus on a little bit at a time. Just like kind of now when you're in training, you can't focus, you know, 10 weeks from now when you've got some huge run to do. You just focus on what you got to do the next day and the next day, and then eventually you get there, and it kind of all adds up, I guess. Yeah. So, Wes, what does it feel like to be running at the front of the pack with the elite runners? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the closest I've ever been with is Chicago, where you're literally right behind, like, you know, whoever's there, Dathan Ritzenheim or, you know, the Kenyans or whatnot. So you're literally, like, within five or ten feet. Um, wow. I mean, it's 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 cool. I mean, it's, you know, they're obviously when you start, they start pulling away. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's good because you don't have to deal with the crowds. I mean, it's... It's humbling. I mean, you realize kind of when you made it that far, you know, of all the hard training, you realize, you know, I've kind of not made it, but, you know, you realize, oh, I am pretty good at this. Like, I am one of the top whatever percent in the in the nation. Um, I mean, 225 obviously is a long ways off from 219, and there are a lot faster people than me. But, I mean, um, but you realize kind of like, oh, well, you know, I am one of the quicker ones in the nation. Not by there's a lot of quicker people than me, but you know, it's 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 nice because you don't have to deal with the crowds. But it, in an, in another way, it is not an advantage because if you get strung out up at the front, um, you're all by yourself. And if there's a wind, I mean, it's just <laughs> you, and that can be you know that can be tough, especially if you're used to training with other people so I've always trained by myself so I've usually done okay at it but you know if you've always trained with a partner and you get strung out I mean it, it can be a it can be a long day but uh it's nice I mean you get to see all the elites and you get to see these people you watch in videos and it's inspiring yeah it's definitely inspiring. that's really cool after meeting some of the elites are you just does your mindset shift to I can totally do this or is it too intimidating after you meet them? Um, a little of both. So, I forget what that guy's name is. He's based out of DC. He runs oh. ultras too. Um, oh, what is that guy's name? He's Mike Wardian. Mike Wardian. Wardian. You know him? Yeah, it's there's a couple of mics in ultra running, 
And I'm trying yeah. to remember if he's the guy that right now is doing seven marathons on seven continents in seven That's days. Right. That's Ryan Hall. Okay. Well, no, there's yeah. there's a group of them, though. I swear it was Mike something. Mike Wardian runs for Hoka, so he's sponsored by Hoka, but he's one of, the, like, he's done a bunch of, I think, ultras, um, and he's run some, like, low 220s. He might have even run faster than 220 marathons, but he does a lot of marathon running, a lot of running. Oh, but he's one of the he is doing guys. that, too, him and Ryan Hall. Just looked him up. He is doing it, uh, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's doing it. Ryan Hall was doing it. So crazy. <laughs> They're like halfway I, through right now. I know. <laughs> so I sat next to him before Chicago, and we just talked. I mean, you know, I knew him just from, you know, social media and stuff, but he didn't know who I was really. But Yeah. Um, kind of cool to just talk with him, and you kind of meet him, and, you know, in a way it kind of inspires you because it's like, oh, you know, I could, I could do this, or I could, you know. But in another way, you're like, Dang, I wish I was that fast. <laughs> well, you're kind of like, this guy is just a normal guy. We're just having a normal conversation. You know, he's no different than me, except maybe faster by a couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know if he ever saw this video, whether you can remember the conversation, but it's kind of humbling just because, you know, we're sitting there talking before Chicago, and I'm nervous. I mean, he didn't look that nervous, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, he was sitting there playing chess on or checkers on his phone with some guy, and he was just talking to me like, you know, <laughs> I'm playing this chess or something on this phone, just like hanging out. Um, I'm I'm in like deep focus and trying to relax, and you know, he's cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Um, but I got to run with him some during that race, which was kind of neat. And you know, you get to just kind of run with some of these people, and you know, some of it, you get to run with some of the sub elite or the elite women just because of how things match up with the times but so that's cool that's super cool what's what's your plans to to boost you to that next level where you can because i gotta imagine cutting even a minute off at the point you're at is very very difficult to do yeah it's it's about not getting carried away for me um and not taking off trying to take off big chunks so, like, I ran 225, obviously, I need 219. So, it's like, well, I can't just, you know, maybe if I just didn't work, I could try having more time off. But it's about, I'm trying to cut it two to three minutes at a time. So, if I can run, hopefully, in Boston somewhere between 222, 223, if I can somewhere do that and then try to cut off another two or three minutes and qualify. Um, but, I mean, it's one step at a time. So, it's, it's hard. The plan is basically I need to get better with like nutrition basically and just become tighter in my core and stuff just because if you don't have a good core, you start collapsing at the end and you put more you waste energy basically because you're collapsing on yourself. Um, and just doing more workouts. I mean, I worked with a coach for a good amount of time um, and I, I learned a lot from him and uh, just the kinds of workouts that um, I should be doing and uh, I think the big key that I've learned that you know I've been employing which I employed in Chicago when I ran the 225 was you just have to learn to run tired I mean anyone can go out and run 7 to 10 mile tempo runs when they're fresh um, but being able to do it after you've run 10 or 12 miles easy and then going and running 8 to 10 miles hard um, that's that's what you have to do because you know everyone usually can make it to that 16 to 20 mile marker at their goal pace 
Yeah. It's that it's that 20 mile marker that see people just seem to flounder at, including myself. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you realize you still got six miles left. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what you train for is those last six, um, and being able to mentally, uh, tough through it as well as just physically be able to, your legs be able to go. That makes sense. Have you had any epic bonks during a race? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Everyone has. Everyone so, wants to hear about that, Wes. Come on. <laughs> I've had some pretty big ones. I mean, obviously, when I was first starting out marathon running, um, I didn't train for one I did in Raleigh. I forget which one. City of the Oaks Marathon, maybe. Yeah. I didn't train for it. I think the most I ran was like a 14-miler. <laughs> and I think it was my slowest marathon ever. It was like a 350-something. But I actually walked the last, like, <laughs> mile basically I, could, I just physically couldn't move my legs like you know so did you walk I, through the finish line or were you like oh shit now i gotta run it was literally because it was around the uh raleigh coliseum um <laughs> i remember i just being like oh my gosh when is this parking lot gonna end like and it just felt like i was never gonna get there so it was like a run walk um, yeah. i've never walked in a race besides then um <laughs> that one and uh see that was probably the most epic of them all. I never walked during a race. Often <laughs> I've hit the wall pretty bad. Um, you know, if you don't train on hills and you don't train right and you don't run that race right, uh, the first hill is uh, is it's uh, mind blowing because you realize you either know at that point for me. Well, this is this is a wash uh, <laughs> after the first hill because you realize this is just the first. Everyone hears about heartbreak. They don't realize that there's actually three sets. So there's three hills. Heartbreak's the last. So if you're struggling on the first, <laughs> you're going to struggle harder on the last. So. I don't imagine. Speaking of hills, have you guys been taking care of my home away from home, Anglers Park? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I haven't been able to run on the trails um, much just because of my work schedule. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... No, I haven't. I haven't run on those trails in a couple months. But oh man, I, I miss I, them. I, I, took the, I think it's relaxing to run on. Them. I I did them on my easy day when I was training before I got pregnant. Once I got pregnant, I didn't do it because I'm clumsy, so I didn't. Obviously, and they're like roots and rocks and <laughs> tripping hazards everywhere. Snakes. I did, when I first moved <laughs> here, I, I hit the. Uh, I cracked my rib, I think, because uh, <laughs> I I was. I was running through right on the green loop. Yeah. Um, at the, the easiest one. <laughs> easiest one. I was going fairly quick through it, um, and it was. I didn't see a root. It was covered up by leaves, and I I bit the dust and landed right on my chest. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I hit I hit it pretty hard, but you know, oh, it's very relaxing, especially when it's you know. 50, that one degrees. you took me up and it was like an open and clearing. I don't know where yeah. that was, but that mm. one's nice. Yeah, I, I, I like that. It's just, you know, time-wise. Time-wise, well, and it's different than what you're training for. You're not training for a trail race. You're training for Boston Marathon where you're going to be on roads the whole time. So yeah. it makes total sense to me. I, when I did do it, you know, I think I ran a lot more on it like second year and first year. Um you know, I felt like it did help. 
because you're using different muscle groups all the time to like turn and like you know balance and stuff so i thought it i thought it really helped yeah. it helped me relax and go slower yeah i always joke that i didn't have calves until i moved to danville and started running the trails <laughs> <laughs> um the trails in colorado oh my the trails here are really good i mean obviously that's like a like <laughs> understatement or whatever you say but but the problem is um they're either really long climbs and then like flat or downhill or yeah i mean i guess that's the biggest problem like there's a 12 mile loop i'll do but the first four miles are up a mountain so you're already like destroyed by the time you get into the middle of your run you know yeah um, whereas in Danville, it was up and down the whole entire time, you know, you were constantly changing the muscle groups that you're using. So, so yeah. But that being said, the trails in Colorado are pretty much amazing. <laughs> sure. I'm sure. Um, so you're both, your race, your next race for both you is Boston? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. What, uh, do you have any bucket list race you want to do? Um, or I, I Boston's usually it, right? Yeah, I mean for I, me it is because I've never done it before. But Wes has done it many a time. I mean, I'd like to do like some of the other famous races one day. Like you know, you have um, the California International Marathon, the CIM. Yeah, you know the 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 good other flat courses that I just love to try them out. Yeah. What? Obviously, I'd love to run London um, one oh, day. Yeah. That'd be amazing. What What makes Boston so special? Just, I guess just the mystique of it. I mean, even though it's like I've never really run awesome there, it's still just like the mystique of it and, you know, going there. And, you know, obviously, you know, with the bombings and everything, if you have that whole, um, you know, camaraderie around it. Um, so... It's just a, a huge experience, honestly. Yeah. And nothing really like, you know, I've run Chicago, I've run New York, I've run um, Marine Corps, I've done Kiowa, I've done some other ones, but there really isn't anything, honestly, that I've experienced anything like turning onto Boylston Street, um, especially when you're, you know, I've only ever experienced it really when I'm up, up near the front, but you're usually by yourself. And it's kind of, it's really cool for me just because there's not too many races that you're really coming down one long stretch by yourself, um, especially Boylston Street of Boston. And, you know, it's just you. And it's, it's just, it's indescribable. It's just you with thousands of people cheering you on? Yeah, and you see the finish line, and it's just, um, there's just something about that turn, I guess, because... You know, you're 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 mate, you're coming, you're coming. You can't see the finish. You make that turn, and it's just there. And it's, I'd say maybe a quarter mile. You know, and it's just you just trying to you know push through, it and people are just cheering you on. And um, there really isn't anything I, I feel like like it. I mean, it's painful getting there. Well, it gets there, but um, that the ending is definitely very unique. Yeah. Um, kind of the last question here. What's your go-to post-race celebration? <laughs> oh gosh, let me think. I don't know. We usually, I mean, we usually kind of have the same routine. Um, well, 
the first couple years he was we traveled for races and stuff because of medical school we had to literally he would race and we would get in the car and drive like 10 hours right after we'd be back the next morning to go to class yeah. so we didn't too much of a post-race celebration then but now um we used to go out to eat somewhere usually somewhere unhealthy because of course of so what's your food what's your food of choice um mexican probably really um, also um uh, you know when she would get like a Asian. big margarita yeah margarita uh, you know chips and salsa we go like get you're just know. like keep the chips coming come on i need yeah. like four <laughs> baskets of these bad boys like acp or something like chicken with rice but it's usually just like I, you know, finish myself off with the chips <laughs> and salsa. It's the one time you really don't feel guilty yeah, about it. Yeah, you don't feel guilty at all. Um, you know, and then you, we usually go out for like ice cream or frozen yogurt. And there's candy like involved somewhere. There's Obviously. Candy involved somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I like cheeseburgers, but I've never been one that's like, oh, I just feel like a big burger right now. So that's never been my. I hear you. Mexican or Asian? Mexican or, you know, like Asian food. Okay. Um, is what I crave because yeah. up until the marathon for both of us, it's super plain. Like mm-hmm. we're talking like plain, plain pasta, pasta, saltines, rice, like just chicken, plain, you know, <laughs> loaf. I mean, so like you're craving something with flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how many days or weeks leading up to the marathon are you eating that plain? For me? Yeah. Uh, usually like a week and a half. Okay. Week. So I, I mean, I, I, I don't put any sauce on pasta. I mean, because I've had stomach issues before, and then I will never make that mistake again. Like, See, Wes, this is the difference between road races and trail races. Is you can have stomach issues in trail races. Yeah, yeah you got Matt. <laughs> and you got you got the whole woods and the mountains to take care of that. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I if there's there's come some close calls. <laughs> <laughs> I can vividly remember. Um, Boston was one of them. Actually, there was a porta potty at the top of uh, Heartbreak, and um, Chicago was one. Chicago was one, but that, fortunately, I made it to the end of that one. <laughs> Congratulations! I was I wasn't the same. That was like the turning point where I really started like eating plain because at the end of that one, I was I had stomach issues for like. A day or two, <laughs> so um, so yeah, it's like just plain pasta, plain rice, chicken with pancakes. Uh, pancakes. Ooh, there you go. That's good. Yeah, but yeah, I don't do any sauces or anything like no that. No syrup. So you're eating pancakes like a psychopath, kinda. Uh, well, we use peanut like butter. peanut butter. Oh, there you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know. But if it's really close, no, it's just plain pancakes. It's just plain pancakes. <laughs> When we did, uh, was it Kiowa? No, Kiowa. one of them, we ate plain pancakes cold in the car because yeah. we were trying to get to the... <laughs> it was, we had to go the night before, so we would be, I'd been used to eating pancakes the night before. So I was like, well, I'm not going to switch it up. Yeah. So like, I've done I, the same thing. Like the morning before a race, I'm just eating cold oatmeal in the bathroom while I'm trying to like put my running clothes on. I mean, you do what you got to do. I mean, if it's worth it, it the worked. end, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Britt, real quick before I let you guys go, um, can you tell us a little bit about your blog? Yeah, um, I guess I started it in in Pennsylvania. Um, and actually, um, I don't know why I just started. started, started oh, yeah, I lost my job. That was a big one. 
Um, and so I just kind of started as a way to just kind of talk about training and, you know, maybe eventually make some money. I'll be honest, because I lost my job and we were trying. He was in medical school, so it was, you know, one of those things. Um, and it just kind of, like, it kind of was on and off. And now I'm kind of, it's kind of gotten a little bit bigger. And I've been more, con- I've, I've documented all my training um, when I qualified for Boston is all documented on there. Um, you know, all my pregnancy and even postpartum running, um, I try to be really honest. So it's not always, you know, super, this is awesome. This is great. Everything's wonderful. You know, there's some really dark days and exhausting days and especially, you know, during pregnancy and even before, um, you know, I documented really good training cycles and then training cycles where I just completely, wasn't there um which is what my build-up for chicago last year was so um it's just kind of i just look at it as a way to honestly depict i mean i'm no like stellar like i've never was an athlete like i never did really much in in high school or anything um running really to me was just i saw him doing it in college because we met um fresh freshman in college so i saw him before he started running and then right after he started running and and, you know, when you see somebody go from that and then just keep going and going and get better and better, it motivates you. So, you know, and I don't have any stellar times or really anything that's that unusual from anybody else. But I just think it's um, it's just my way of being honest about how training goes and how you fit it in. And, um, you know, it's not always easy, but it is worth it to me. And it does for me. It's very it's kept me mental, mentally sane through him being in medical school, moving a couple times, now he's in residency, and even though I'm not the one going through it, it does, you know, you know, as a spouse, it's, it's, you have to do it. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that I think the one unique thing about her blog, you know, can I, I read it, obviously, and what she tries to do and, and, and show is, you know, a lot of these bloggers out there, they sugarcoat things. They put on a happy face. You know, they don't, you don't really realize what's going on and it doesn't always, they don't tell you their training and they're very neutral about it. And I think that's unfortunate because it gives off this persona that everything's, you know, hunky dory. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it, it gives off this persona to other people that, oh, that person's life is awesome. Like, you know, everything's going perfectly for them when in reality, that that's not always the case. And I think, you know, having like an honest, you know, you know, opinion out there and saying, well, this is my struggle and, you know, you know, this is what I did and whether you agree with it or not or whether it's the accepted thing, you know, it's, it no, is what it is. You, you know, I made a mistake and I trained too hard and for that I paid the price and I got a, an injury and I got, I got a fracture and, you know, that's my fault. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of people sugarcoat it and I think that's one thing that kind of makes her stand out. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, that's obviously why it's connected with so many people. And I would highly suggest that if you're out there listening and you are, you know, I guess for anybody really listening, but especially if you're beginning to be a runner and you want to hear about all the struggles because you're going to go through them, too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Britt, what's the what's the website called so we can find it's it? Bad. It's runningwife.com. Okay. Um, yeah. And I'm also on social media and stuff, and I document all my training. I just I just shared what my whole training plan will be for Boston in a couple months, three months, I guess. Oh, cool. Just started it this week, so um, 
Yeah, so we're, we're in the next phase of training to see what happens now. Nice. <laughs> yes, PR, but completing it four months postpartum is my goal, so we'll see. That's going to be sweet <laughs> and super inspirational to follow. Um, awesome. Well, it was great talking with you guys, and I hope everything goes well with the little one and with Boston <laughs> and fitting the training in because I know for me that's that's the thing that's the hardest, but I always think it's re- – it's a benefit if you have the base of before you were parents, you were already athletes. And so you know, you know, the sacrifices you're going to make with sleep and energy to get your training in. Definitely. Yeah. So, awesome. Congrats on your 100K, by the way. On my what? And didn't you run like a 100-kilometer race or something? Uh, no, it was a, it was a 50K. Um, okay. Yeah, we got, we got lost for a good four miles of it and just ended up bushwhacking up the mountain in boulder like over bear poop uh, by that point i'd run out of water and food and all i had left was like this much pickle juice and i was like i am not going to eat any more pickle juice at this point (laughs) how far did you make it did you complete it yeah we we completed it we're not sure if anyone else completed it uh me and this guy named miguel medina who's um, he was a sponsored Spartan race athlete for a while, so yeah. super cool guy. But yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to catch up sometime soon. Yeah, I'm jealous of y'all out there. That's for sure. We'll come out and visit. We'll get yeah. you on some trails. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. All right, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I've been reading a book lately called Tribes by my man crush, Seth Godin. It's definitely a very strange man crush, kind of more of like a intellectual man crush. But the dude is a certified genius. If you haven't read his books, I would recommend starting with The Icarus Deception, which ties directly into our idea of crushing the status quo as Seth argues that the old saying of Icarus flew too close to the sun on wings of wax while true left out the part where if he flew too low dude was gonna crash in water and get eaten by sharks so the idea here is we're not aiming high enough we use that story, the Icarus, oh man, he he flew too close to the sun on wings of wax, so you shouldn't try to go after your dreams and you shouldn't try to do anything outside of the norm. I don't know whose voice that was. That was some that was some guy who wouldn't listen to this podcast, who wasn't super cool. But that's kind of been ingratiated into our own minds that maybe we aren't special and we aren't the kind of people who can succeed at goals and in the Icarus deception Seth argues that's not the case we've been flying too low on wings of wax and if we keep flying low we're going to crash right into the sea but in the book I'm reading currently it's called tribes it's about building a tribe And a tribe he defines as a group of people sharing in an idea or a belief 
and working together to move forward in some sort of way. And it's got me thinking a lot, and I'm sure I'll talk about this a lot over the next few weeks. It got me thinking about the Like a Bigfoot tribe or community that I am trying to build here. What's our mindset? What's our end goal? What is the thing that we are doing that we are trying to accomplish? And though I haven't fully figured this idea out, yet, the message I want to share with every single person that I meet is that you are worthwhile, you can accomplish whatever you're setting out to accomplish by consistently working hard over a period of time. That's it. Hard work plus consistency equals success. Anybody can do this. Anybody can chase their goals. You don't have to be stuck in zombie mode where you're just roaming through life with no purpose. You don't have to have the same shit, different day mentality. That's what I'm trying to get at. So set some lofty goals and then work your butt off to accomplish them. Seth Godin mentions in Tribe, initiative equals happiness. So in whatever area of life you aren't feeling happy, you need to start taking some initiative, start finding some purpose. And I know you might be listening out there right now and say, Chris, you're acting like you got it all worked out. Once again, I don't know whose voice that was. It's probably not your voice. I don't have this stuff all worked out. I'm constantly working on it. I'm constantly trying to find initiative in my life. There are areas that I for sure need to work on. There are even areas where sometimes I go into zombie mode. But I'm bringing awareness to myself through this podcast about these areas that I need to work on. And then I'm applying the idea of hard work plus consistency to hopefully find success. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to find a lofty goal, start chasing it, find some happiness through taking initiative, have some really cool adventures, and then share them with our community. So the big question I want you to think about this week, and I'm going to think about it too, is this. What's the status quo in your life and how can you crush it? How can you rebel against the status quo? Just like Brit, just like Wes, just like everyone else who's been a guest on this podcast up to this point. Speaking of past guests, if you really enjoyed this episode with Wes and Brit, www.runningwife.com, you should check out all of our other episodes. I guarantee you there are gems in them you can take away. 
because I've taken what our guests have shared and I've applied them to my own life and they have helped big time. Like last week's guest, George Kittle, who shared writing a little R on your wrist and then throughout the day, making sure to be present enough to click the reset button. Great advice. So find all of our episodes on iTunes. Make sure you hit subscribe. You can find them on SoundCloud by searching Like a Bigfoot. Or you can just go to our website, www.likeabigfoot.com. And you can always feel free to join our tribe and our Like a Bigfoot community at facebook.com slash like a Bigfoot. Feel free to share your own adventures, your own goals. I would love to hear them. I love supporting people. That might be the thing I've learned the most about myself over the last few years. Supporting people to achieve their goals is very, very important to my core beliefs. Anyways, we will get back at you next week on the Like a Bigfoot podcast. See ya.